Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Admit One. Uh, this is a really special episode as uh, we just announced the uh, officially the first drop of uh, 90CC Iteration One. And today I, I have on the podcast a good friend of mine who I've gotten to know really closely over the last year and a half uh, and worked alongside when, when we were uh, running the Delphi Infinity Fund together, uh, Jeremy Paris, uh, who's still an associate at Delphi and uh, also just somebody that I, I talk to a lot on, on bouncing ideas back and forth and, you know, somebody I discussed with the formation of Inmit one and 90CC um, and, and thinking about the mechanics and, and how the distribution and all these things. So please welcome uh, Jeremy Paris. So, hey, Jeremy, how you doing? Hey, G, thank you so much for the kind intro, man. Um, absolute honor to get to come on here and discuss this with you because, as you said, over the last year and a half, um, from my perspective, being sort of... Um, outside of your core group, it's been really incredible to watch all these different pieces come together um, from the Infinity days and just from all the discussions and things we've looked at. Um, it's been really cool to see it all come together in this really thoughtful, larger project um, that, that is your passion project, uh, project and, and something that is one of the coolest things I've personally seen. So super, super excited to be here and uh, talk through it today with you, man. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. And, you know, uh, I, I know a lot of people in the community have questions. So I'm, I'm hoping by, by you and I having this discussion, we can answer most of those questions and, you know, help shed some clarity on, on the mechanics. Because I think to me, uh, one, the vision and the goal that I have, and also the mechanics of distribution and, you know, the gamification of the ecosystem to me is something that I'm really excited about. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, man. Um, and I'm really excited to help you unpack it. But I think what I'm excited to get at as well is trying to peel back some of the layers because every single step along the way, there's so many multiple layers. And I think a lot of them are easy to overlook and not necessarily in a bad way. It's just there has been such a high touch that's gone into every single thing. I'm excited to help kind of peel back some of those layers just uh, so people could have an appreciation for everything that's been poured into this project from the literal color of the stitching um, all the way down to why certain technology was used. Um, mm -hmm. But I, th I think maybe before we dive in, man, when I was kind of going through my process of thinking through this conversation, there was a few words I kept coming back to time and time again that I think uh, might be useful to kind of outline and describe. So if it's cool with you, I'd like to uh, kind of kick off with getting a couple words defined in your own word, uh, in your own like viewpoint words, if that's, if that's okay with you. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. So um, first word being in your own words could be long, short, could be a story, what, however you want to approach it um, is one that we've all heard and that is thrown around a lot in crypto, but I'd love to hear what it means to you because I think it has a lot to do with this project at every single level. And that word is provenance. So G, what does provenance mean to you, sir? Yeah, so to me, provenance is just, you know, proof of origin, right? Proof of ownership. Uh, to me, it's, it's something that I think, especially in the NFT space, we saw this really early on with art, right? Like, you know, and you see this in the contemporary art market, right? Where when things resell, uh, whether you can prove provenance determines its value, right? You know, if something has questionable provenance, it is it trades at a significant discount. The same thing goes uh, with a lot of luxury items, specifically uh, the watch market, right? Where you can buy a watch with, you know, the certificate of authenticity and it's worth a certain amount. But if you buy it without that certificate of authenticity, you lose a lot of that value, right? Because you're not, you don't have those pa the paperwork that guarantees it. And so to me, provenance is something that is super, super important anytime, you know, you want to be talking about uh, a high value good, because, you know, if and when you decide to go and sell it at some point in the future, you know, how does the buyer know that 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 is real, right? And this is something that we see uh, in pretty much any all consumer markets where, you know, something can be easily replicated, it probably will be right. And, you know, that's why we see a lot of fake merchandise out there. Uh, that takes advantage of of brand logos um, and, you know, fakes that, you know, are sold to unknowing consumers or, or maybe consumers know and they just want to be able to uh, afford something that has a logo on it. So I think provenance is something that is super important. We've obviously seen it uh, in art, in the NFT space already. 
And I just think, uh, and this has been my thesis for a really long time, is that that provenance will be coming to multiple different industries. And I always believe that luxury will be one of the first ones that it would come to next. Yeah, no, I would completely agree with all that and appreciate you uh, defining that deeply because I think it's just one of those words that like metaverse, like so many of the other buzzwords that we hear in Web3 just gets thrown around too often without being um, thoroughly thought through, right? So mm. uh, I, I definitely appreciate the, the more eloquent um, elaboration there. Um, next word, sir, is validation. Now that may be a bit of a strange one, but does anything come to mind when I say validation when it comes to 90CC, just what you think the word means or, or your definition? Um, I guess when I think about validation is I, you know, I, to me, it's, I think what I look to do with 90CC is probably validate my thesis, right, of, of provenance that, that I just described. Uh, because to me, this is something that I think is super important. And I, as an end consumer, would love to see this. And I know now, you know, the tech has existed for a while, but nobody's tied it together you know, I, from what I've seen uh, in a way that I plan on tying it together. So it's really just validating that thesis that hopefully, you know, changes the way communities interact and, you know, brands are built and interact with their communities. Yeah. And it's not only tying the tech together, right? It's it's sort of tying multiple different theses as you described, right? And it's it's tying you know, web two, web three, traditional, physical, digital, right? And to do that with a lot of provenance layered in is when you start to see something really special, which once again, just super, super excited to unpack here. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one is one that's, um, I love the way you use it later on and we'll get into. And I think what is once again, super layered, but I'd love to hear your take on it. It's a uh, iteration. Um, yeah. I mean, I think to me, iteration is kind of, uh, it's just really a nod to, you know, the, the programming roots of crypto. And, you know, I, I, I taught myself how to, how to, how to code, uh, probably like, I think eight years ago at this point, uh, not, you know, I learned Python, uh, with, uh, one of those online courses and I, I, I got good enough to write a script, but I, I remember, you know, you always iterate, right? Like you're, you're iterating through the code. Um, and to me, it's like, you're always working on things and going through things to make them better. And that to me is, you know, like I, I know right out of the gate, um, it can, whatever we do can always be better. Right. And it's like, it's kind of like a work in process. And that to me is, you know, why you know, iteration one is the first drop and, you know, we're going to learn things from this and improve on it on iteration two. And, and each, I think drop will be building on the previous. See, it's super cool. Um, cause hearing that it's, it's sort of like you approaching it from, more of the digital realm. And when I was thinking of iteration, I was thinking about it more from the physical realm, but that's probably just cause I'm like a cheesy weirdo. So like when I was okay. thinking iteration, I was thinking like, you know, that's at the heart of like evolution. And you kind of touched upon that and like sort of being the Phoenix, like being willing to take those lessons, you know, and rise from the ashes um, in a certain kind of way. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Even, even there to see the, the, the digital and the physical sort of being meant even in a, in a definition, so to say. Um, no, that's cool, man. And last one for you. And this is just everywhere in admit one in 90 CC in everything you do. And that is curation. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Um, yeah, I mean, curation, I think is, is really integral, uh, to the 90 CC brand. And I think it's been integral in how I've operated in the space. Right. I, I usually, you know, when, when people come to me with possibilities for collaborations, possibilities to do something together, I usually say no, uh, because I, you know, even when the opportunity seems to be very lucrative is because I, I curate everything to things that I like. Right. And, you know, that, and that's kind of the way I've been operating in the space since day one. You know, uh, I think there've been a couple of things that I've done in, in the last few years that, at the time may not have been super conventional, right? Including buying my CryptoPunk when I did and writing a thread about it that later be kind of became like, oh yeah, like I get that, right? I just didn't see it in that light before. And so to me, it's like, I'm just curating experiences that I want to see uh, as an end consumer that I would want and I would enjoy and that I hope others would, right? And I, I've seen a couple instances in the past year and a half where uh, I've been able to do those those types of things. 
Uh, and this is really kind of just a way to formalize it with a, a bigger, grander vision and executing something that, you know, I personally want to see in the space. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that also touches upon why I really enjoy the conversations we get to have and watching your process um, from my point of view is like even with the crypto punk or when we were chatting back in the early days, it's um, that that curation, it was clear, comes from your provenance, right? It comes from like your years of putting in the work, grinding and thinking deeply about things. And that gives you a really interesting lens when it comes to curation, which obviously like, you know, has been super important for your own journey. But it's just um, what I love about that is just if we would have rewound 10 years ago, all of it came together in this completely crazy, unpredictable way to lead to this like beautiful moment in time. And through that curation is um, largely how I'd say, you know, we got to this weird moment in time. So um, really cool to hear, man. And if you don't mind, there's one word I would like to define before we move forward. Um, and maybe more of a distinction than a clarification, but I also think this is important before we uh, dive in, and that is the word value. Now, the reason I want to define value is because I would argue the, that value is an aggregation of everything that we just spoke about, right? It's aggregating and bringing together provenance, validation, potential, robustness, meaning, context. It's, it's bringing together into your project or your idea or whatever the case may be. It's aggregating those things to increase its chance of uh, staying around, like it's staying power, um, whether that be an object, a thing, or an idea. And so I think what you've done is injected an insane amount of value into everything that we're about to talk about. And the reason I wanted to find that is because there's a big distinction between value and profit. And sometimes I think we get the things mixed up in web three, um, which is unfortunate because in mixing those things up, you could kind of kill your project or idea or thing by not giving it the staying power to be around. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to make that distinction. So gee, my man, let's, uh, let's talk about nine DCC. Let's unpack this bad boy. Um, before we get there, just two quick questions on admit one. Um, I'm sure a lot of people listening are familiar with admit one. A lot of people listening are probably holders, but, um, two questions I'm curious about and would love to hear your take on before unpacking 90 CC itself is number one, why through all of your curation and getting up to the point to where you launched admit one, did you decide to make it a free mint? Um, I mean, I have my yeah. theories on this and I, I think it's brilliant, but I'd love to hear your take. Um, yeah, you know, I think one of one of those is to your point, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with what is value, right? And so, you know, it's the thing that I valued uh, a lot from from people in the ecosystem, anybody that follows me is right, like, they give me their time, right? And so time is literally the most scarce resource we have on the planet. It's the only thing that no matter how much money you have, you can't buy more of it, right? And so you know, there, there is obviously an economic value that I can put on anything, right? And I could say this is worth this. Uh, and people, you know, would probably be willing to pay it as, as we see with where, where, where it's actually trading once I gave it away for free. Uh, but to me, it's like, I really value that, right? And I, and I kind of showed that early on with uh, the Adidas uh, into the metaverse shop, where, you know, I was the only partner where you didn't have to have purchased an NFT previously in order to be eligible, right? My community was my community of POAP holders that for the most part were either people that met me in person or people that listened to the first few episodes uh, of my podcast live. And those were the people that were eligible to claim that POAP. And so to me, this is just one step forward, one step more of carrying over that, that uh, value prop of, okay, you've come with me this far. You've been with me since the beginning. This is my way of Kind of rewarding you uh, right out of the gate to kind of be part of this community, and I think by giving it away for free, one, and this was this was something I wasn't expecting, uh, which was a, a nice a nice benefit uh, was I I I gave the opportunity for people to enter into the community that otherwise wouldn't have if I put any price on it, even if I sold it for half an ETH or one ETH. These are people that uh, probably would not have been part of the community because also. I released it with no roadmap, right? So, you know, sometimes when 
uh, you're going out there and you're, you're deciding where to allocate your, your ETH or your money, uh, you kind of want to have a vision of, of what that person's seeing. And so um, that to me was one of those extra benefits that I didn't expect. Um, and, and some of those people have been like some of the more active members in the community, which I think has been amazing. Uh, so that's really why uh, I decided to to give it away for free, and then ultimately knowing what I wanted to do with it. And you know, I, I'm working on on numerous things with you know a bunch of different counterparties, and I think we're working on some really exciting stuff. But I knew, you know, I've been I've been working on 90CC since I pretty much entered into the space, you know, uh, and I just I knew now was the right time, and before was not the right time, and so I knew that if I distributed this, this init one, that would be the entrance into the 90 CC ecosystem. Uh, and I think to me, it's like allowing these people to enter for free uh, and enter that system and kind of test it out. Maybe it won't be for everybody, right? And that's fine. And I, I understand that the same way that, you know, most things don't cater to all people. And to me, that's very much what I was focused on. And that along with broad distribution, right? Were, were the real reasons I gave it away for free. No, it makes a makes a ton of sense, man. And even just hearing you chat through that, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Once again, it's, you know, from Poap to into the metaverse to admit one, like that is the iteration right there, right? That is mm -hmm. testing things out in the wild, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, and then you know, kind of curating the best things that work, right? Um, yeah. which is what I just love about this whole thing. It's uh start peeling back those layers man seeing what's behind and and seeing the all the value that's been baked in um so i think you actually answered kind of question two in that ex, uh, explanation which is like why is 9dcc going to admit one um first and kind of using them as uh the first curated audience to potentially purchase into this um so i, I think you touched upon that quite nicely um in answering but i i I do want to add to that, right? Because okay. I thought a lot about it is I, I knew that whatever it is that uh, I drop, uh, whatever, would have the chance of being botted, right? And I would have to deal with some sort of, you know, excess demand, uh, excess demand for limited supply issue. And so that's one, why I wanted to have broad distribution. But then two is I, you know, this is, I don't want to have to deal with botting like every drop, right? And it's like, you know, once you know, we get to a, a cadence, right? Uh, I don't necessarily want to have to deal with this every month or every yeah. week or whatever it is the cadence that we ultimately settle to. And I knew that by creating this, this community of people that can access stuff uh, before anybody else, uh, that to me was what I wanted to do with that, right? Like 90CC is not just meant for the admit one community. For me, I'm making 90CC for all of crypto. Yeah. It's just that admit one is one of, what I think is probably the best, most fair way to distribute that product, at least initially. Yeah. Well, that makes a ton of sense, dude. Um, and I think this is something that we're really fortunate in our position to be able to, to realize it's like through, you know, vetting a bunch of things to invest in, you identify a lot of pain points that you might not see otherwise, right. Or behind the scenes, you kind of see how the sausage is made. And by seeing how the sausage is made, you get to see unique viewpoints and, you know, you, you got to think through them in advance. Also, one thing that I think is important there, it's like, once again, this is laying a foundation, right? Brick by brick. Because if you would have wanted to, you could have definitely have made any of the drops we just talked about, 10,000, 20,000, you know, whatever you wanted to and made a ton of money, but then it's not a strong foundation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you can't build a castle or a house or an empire or whatever analogy you want to use on a on a foundation made of sand right um so i think that's also just well, also to your point right is i think uh if you charge a lot right at least out of the gate then you know it becomes focused on the dollar amount exactly. right and one of the things i've been really happy about and this is why i don't have a sales bot in the discord is because i don't want people to be focused on the price right like the price to me is just like a secondary benefit right yeah. you know for me it's it's about creating a place and a community that people want to be a part of. Man, I think that is one of the most overlooked things in all of this space is that it's the difference between the social and the financial, right? When you make something a financial game, the core loop becomes return on in investment and value extraction. And when you flip that 
and you make it a social experience where financials don't touch it at all, you completely change the psychology and the makeup of that group, which is something I wish we saw more of in the space. But, you know, the fact is that crypto and Web3 is so largely financial at this moment in time that you don't see that as often as you would like. But, but hopefully with something like what we're about to discuss, we'll start to see that shift because you're going to you're demonstrating the power of a social tool. You're making social tools and social incentives, which is what I am the most bullish on when it comes to what's coming around the corner in crypto. So I love that you touch mm. upon that, man. I, I just, it's so important. Um, so with that being said, G, um, to get into 90CC, you sent uh, you sent over this doc. It's it's the brand essentials of 90CC, and I just kind of want to walk through some of that, and we'll deviate and we'll jump around. But I think it's a it's a cool sort of thing to walk through. And uh, at the top of the doc, you have you know the 90CC vision statement and the mission statement. So I'd love to just chat through some of those things. Maybe starting with the vision, and that's like luxury, fashion, and lifestyle. Um, why did you decide to go with luxury fashion and lifestyle with all the things that you could have potentially have done? Um, would love to love to hear your take on that. Yeah, so I mean, one, it's just something that I'm really interested in. I'm I'm passionate about, right? I'm a consumer of uh, of luxury goods, and you know, it's it's something that's really authentic to me, you know, and so it's something that I enjoy. Um, I also think that you know. For the most part, these are things that I want to see as a consumer, right? It's like, you know, what I am really, really interested in is, you know, when I go out, right? Like I, I'm known by my crypto punk on Twitter, right? And on, on social media. But that doesn't necessarily mean I want to go out and wear my crypto punk on my t-shirt when I go out. I have a very different aesthetic. And what I noticed was that that aesthetic doesn't, the aesthetic that I like doesn't exist in the space at the moment, right? So if I want to signal on crypto native, I can, you know, either wear my favorite t-shirt from my favorite project. Uh, I could wear my, you know, whether it be a DeFi project or an NFT project. And none of those aesthetics really stuck out to me um, at the quality and the level that I would want, right? So it's like, how can I get, you know, some really good craftsmanship and something that I would be very comfortable wearing to a uh, nightclub or out to a nice dinner, uh, but still also be signal that I'm crypto native, right? Because that's what doesn't exist in the world right now uh, to the aesthetic that I want. There's plenty of ways to do it. And, and, you know, I'm sure we've all seen pictures and we all have our favorite merch from our favorite projects. But for me, there wasn't anything that was speaking to me. And that's really where this was born from is I wanted to make an aesthetic that I would be comfortable wearing, that I would be proud to wear, that be confident wearing that uh, when people see it, they're like, oh, you know, he is, you know, successful. He is uh, confident. He is all these things. And he is also a crypto native. And not to uh, inflate, inflate your ego, throw, throw too many compliments at you or anything like that. I'm really happy personally. Um, and this is complete personal note that you chose to go with fashion and lifestyle because that's very much um putting your finger on like the pulse of culture and culture is just so important in this space so it gives me comfort at night to know that somebody as thoughtful as yourself is helping steer the ship hopefully there um so personally i'm really happy you went that route rather than all the other routes you could have gone right um a g of money movie reason, would have been strange right and, <laughs> and the reason why I, I i call it lifestyle right is because it is a lifestyle right it's not like when you take a look at you know the fashion industry today it just intersects with so many different other industries, be, you know, music, cult, you know, culture at, at large, even, you know, movies, TV, uh, automobiles, right? Like everything intersects uh, with luxury and so, and fashion at that point. Right. And so to me, that's why I, I think it's a very broad category and, you know, it's, it makes it super exciting because I think that it gives us a lot of room to play and experiment with as well. For sure, man. Absolutely. So, I'm going to kind of skip past the mission statement and what the brand is promising and, and the values. Cause I think a lot of that will get just answered and filled in through our discussion. Um, so I would love to talk about sort of the product and the tech before getting into the drop. Um, so yeah. first question, which I think, and it's, once again, another one of those layered things where the more I thought about it, the more I loved it. And that is your decision to, 
rebrand or p pivot from the term digiphysical or whatever you wanted to call that before into networked product. So why the shift from digiphysical into networked product and what does a networked product mean? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I personally hate the term <laughs> digital uh, and, you know, I, I, it just, it's not sexy. I, I don't like it at all. And, you know, I, I was having a conversation with somebody and, you know, we somehow stumbled upon the term, you know, networked product, because that's basically what it is, right? We're putting a chip into a physical product, in essence, turning that product into something that is part of a bigger network, right? And, and I think that that's really what I think, because ultimately, what is a community, right? It exactly. is a network of people. So then what is, you know, this t-shirt that people will be wearing is a network of people wearing that product. So it is a networked product. So, you know, I, when I, when we were discussing it and I, we, we came, we came up with it, it was like, holy shit, like that's, that's incredible. Like, you know, maybe it catches, maybe it doesn't, but I, I just think it's something that um, I like uh, because it kind of tells you exactly what it is, even though it is a physical product, you are physically part of a network of a greater network. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, how does it, it, I think it leads to so many questions and so much opportunity of like, you know, how do we increase that network? How does the network come together? How does the network interact with each other? And I think that these will be like really cool questions. And again, we're going to be learning along the way. You know, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I know that not everything I do is going to be perfect, but we're definitely going to be learning from things and kind of uh, making these experiences as awesome for the community as we possibly can. Well, what I loved what I love about that is you just like mentioned like questions, right? And what I love about the networked product is it's such a good first touch point into so many areas of Web3 in a really organic and sort of seamless way. Because you get this sweet shirt that you identify with potentially because it's high fashion. I love high fashion. This is high fashion. Um, and then you purchase it and then you immediately start asking questions. What, is 90D, what does 9DCC mean? How does this chip work? what other things are connected to this network you know like it opens up so many different rabbit holes that you could potentially fall down and each one of them is a potential you know onboarding opportunity into web3 more deeply if people want it because something people talk a lot about in this space how are we going to onboard the next billion people or whatever the case may be um so i love how many questions it opens there and and once again the layers like it's it's networking into the digital space but it's also you know, bringing in your physical network, you know, your admit one holders, the people who come in ha with their ticket and now they're part of a deeper network. It's, it's brilliant. Mm. Man. Um, and with that network product as well, um, another touch point there is like 90CC itself. So could you mm. talk a little bit more about the source of truth um, and the reason behind that name? And I, I think what's important there as well, which I'd love for you to touch upon is the source of truth and why it's important to have things come from that source of truth. Right. And so, you know, that comes back just from provenance, right? From the conversation we had at the, from the, you know, what we said at the top of the discussion is, you know, what gives something provenance, right? Is like, you need to know yeah. that the person that you said created it, created it. And, you know, it was, it, it's funny because I, I think we came up with the, the, the name or the, the idea for the name uh, in about like three minutes because I, it was something that I was thinking about and then I just said it and then everybody was like, yeah, like that's an awesome idea. You know, when it's like, all right, what, how, what, what name are we going to choose for the brand? And I'm like, well, you know, whenever I send Ethereum to somebody or they're sending it to me and they ask me for my address, I copy and paste my address and I look at the last four digits uh, of every time to make sure that I send them my full address. So if you were to ask me which ones are my wallets, I know my wallets by the last four digits of each wallet personally. And so I'm like, what I would like to do is what if we name the brand, the last four digits of the wallet, that will be the source of truth. And everyone was like, that is awesome. Right. That like, I, I love it. And so at that point we, we went on, I think we bought like five or 10 ledgers and we just went through a lot of different iterations of like, okay, which, which ones are the addresses that we like, right. That we think uh, like fit for a brand fit for symmetry can be said pretty easily, not insanely hard. And we settled with 90CC and personally, like, I love it. Um, I, you know, and I think just like having it be crypto native in your face, but not necessarily like, if you know, you know, yeah. right. Cause I think a lot of times when people see like 
a string of characters or, or something, they get intimidated and they're like, oh, wait, what is this tech stuff? I'm not really interested in it, right? Like 90CC could be the name of any fashion brand out there right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, it's like when you want to go deep down the rabbit hole, you can unpack these things, right? And, and that's kind of like one of, one of the things that like I'm really interested in for the community as a whole is like, I want people to go as deep as they want and still be entertained, right? So it's like, if you just want to be a casual member of the community, that's fine, right? But if you want to be a very involved member of the community, that's, that's you know, even better, right? But I want to give people that option to choose, not where it's like, oh, you need to be grinding in the Discord 24-7 in order to get some. Sure, if you want to do that, that, that option will be available. But also, if you want to be a casual member and show your support, that option will also be available. Yeah. It's, it's personally my favorite touch point as well into Web3 because when you drop the first announcement and the first articles were coming out, it was really interesting to see in all the different places I saw it creep up. One of the first things that came up was like, what is 90C? Like, what does that even mean? And then as people started figuring it out, they're like, oh, that's really cool, right? And I think it adds to, you know, going back to the brand essentials, like that air of mystique and sense of aspiration, right? That you described in the brand essentials. So it's it's my personal favorite touch point. Um, one other question on the tech itself. So each garment has a chip in it, right? And what that enables is pool technology and pool technology essentially says, if you have the physical, you could scan a chip and you could pull the NFT into your wallet, right? Pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. There's a lot of things we could get into there as far as security and all that stuff goes, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too deeply. Rather, I, I'm curious about what you mean when you, when this is like a living, breathing product. Right. So I'm wondering if you could maybe talk about some of not the pool activation, but some of the pu like push activation and what it means for this to be a living and breathing product, because that's never been done before. Like this is totally new. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think first off, I want to I, I want to kind of spend a moment to talk about the pull tech, yep. because to me, it was when the first time I talked to IYK, it was like a light bulb went off because I had heard a lot of pitches linking physical to digital. And this is something I thought about a lot since uh, literally since the Beeple Everyday drop on Nifty's back in December of 2020, because I remember when they made the announcement, they said there's going to be like a six or eight week trading window. And then there's going to be a six or eight week redemption window for the physical that would link the physical to, to the NFT. And I remember reaching out to customer support over there. And I was like, Hey, like, I think you guys should like custody it because if not like, you know, secondary sales are going to dry up. I was like, no, nah, like we're just going to deliver it and, you know, people can trade their stuff afterwards. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I, I'm like, I think there's going to be this massive use case here. And I, I thought that it was so massive that I actually spoke to a couple lawyers about potentially setting up some sort of centralized custodian that would, you know, hold on to a physical product, issue an NFT, which would act as a voucher that can then be traded uh, over and over again. And you know, after some initial discussions, I felt like there were like still, and this is back when like nobody in the world knew what an NFT was. So like when I was talking to attorneys, they were like, what, like, what, what are you talking about? Like it's, and even when I described it to them, they, they still didn't understand. So I was like, all right, you know, maybe now is not the moment. Uh, but it was, it was something that I was always thinking about. And, you know, throughout, you know, all of 2021, I remember when I meet people that would tell me that they were linking physical to digital you know, I'd ask them to show me the implementation. And a lot of times the implementation worked very much like, I have this shirt, you have money. We make that exchange. I then need to go home and send you an NFT. And so to me, like that doesn't scale, right? It's like that, that you're begging for the physical and digital to break apart. And like, you know, and I, I, I firmly believe that I think at some point in the future, uh, they're gonna, there's gonna be a huge premium paid to physical and digital products that are linked together. So like people every day is that have the NFT and the actual physical will be worth way more than one of those broken apart. And so like, it's like, well, that I, I don't want to break that apart. Like if I have the physical, it, I want the digital and physical to travel together. So, you know, it, it was about, you know, maybe five or six minutes into talking with IYK. I totally understood what they were saying. So like I stopped them in the presentation. I was like, and I just started drilling them on questions. I'm like, well, what about this use case? And what about this uh, edge case and, and this and that? And they had answers for all of them. And like, 
really it, it's as simple as like thinking about it just very differently, right? Is like, as long as you have the, the physical garment, so in that, that same interaction that we just had, right? I give you the shirt, you give me the money. You can then pull the NFT into your wallet whenever you yeah. want. You can do it five seconds after, you can do it, you know, five years after, right? As long as you have physical possession of the shirt, you can pull it into your wallet. So to me, what does that mean? You have literally the certificate of authenticity traveling with the product physically at all times. So that if like somebody decides, oh, I just want to keep the digital, I don't want to keep the physical and they cut out the NFC chip, then guess what? Your shirt is not worth as much, right? For the same reason that uh, a watch is not worth as much without the paperwork, a handbag is not worth as much without the paperwork. And these are these are things that like, these are real world use cases that can be used like implemented tomorrow, right? And so to me, that's that to me was like the light bulb moment where I was like, okay, now is the time because I was waiting for somebody to give me a solution like this. Because again, as a consumer, this is something I wanna see. I wanna know if I'm spending you know, $10,000 on a watch, right? I wanna make sure that this paperwork isn't, um, isn't um, counterfeit, right? I wanna make sure that it exists on some immutable ledger. Lo and behold, we have, we, have that we have that exact technology that exists through blockchain. Yeah. So to me, it's like, you know, th that to me was like one of the, the big uh, breakthrough moments for me where I'm like, okay, we can get this on a, a t-shirt to start and like, you know, the sky's the limit from there because it's almost like proof of concept. And so that to me was super important uh, and is an integral part of the experience. Absolutely. One thing I would like to add there is tying it back to that source of truth as well and why the source of truth is so important here because if you could look at your nft or your chip or scan that chip and you're like oh sweet 90 cc like you and you see those last four digits you're, that's your certificate of authenticity right uh, yep. like so that's yep. why the 90 cc is so important and also like look at the real world for examples here like essentially that is web3 digital stock x right which is like already mm -hmm. a super validated company that everybody knows about but it just makes it yep. that much more convenient and is that much more counterfeit proof, which is really, right. really valuable in the luxury fashion business. <laughs> right. But then, but then even more like even to take that point even further, Jeremy is like, you now take the onus, right. Of like, let's say like in StockX, maybe they have, and I don't know how true this is, but maybe they have like some product that barely comes through that maybe their, their verification experts have exactly. never seen. They need to then contact, the manufacturer, right? The creator to see, Hey, how do you verify that this isn't counterfeit? Right. And they go to them and they go back and forth. And so basically like the manufacturer needs to kind of put resources towards verification purposes, yeah. right? However big or small that is, uh, depends on the volume, right? But all of a sudden you're taking that burden of proof off of the manufacturer because you have a digital certificate to so your point is like, all you, is this real? scan it oh yep it comes from the wallet that is the wallet that is the source yep. of truth this is the real product right and you know it's it, it to me like it, it's a very interesting uh way and i i again this is something that i want to see as a consumer that i'm sure other people want to see and you know i, I want to put the product out there yeah. to see it to see if it if it works the way well I think it's it just uh it's not like it's an iteration on the StockX business model in a way that makes it way more scalable and convenient backed by more robust technology. And that's really cool mm -hmm. and important. Um, mm -hmm. No, I'm glad, I'm glad you unpacked that a bit more because super valuable points there. So flipping that on the other side then, so we've talked about pool. Could you touch upon push a little bit? Um, or maybe I'm thinking about that in the wrong way, but what makes this like a living, breathing product that, hasn't existed before right so you know i think i think the interesting thing about that is once you have the product out in the wild it's like what can you do uh to interact with your consumers right because like ultimately like putting an nfc chip on a physical product isn't groundbreaking people have been doing that already like you know people are doing that to manage inventory uh mostly that's like the number one thing that people are using uh tracking technology for so it's like at that point of sale, that 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 chip is no longer used, right? And like to me, like that's almost one of the most important parts of that, right? It's like what like what does it mean when you know when you have an idea of you know how many garments your customer buys, right? Like when you know maybe you walk into a store and they you know they can scan your chip and you know and this is like far off into the future and this is me just thinking like 
you know, 10, 20 years from now is like, you know, what happens if I walk into a store and they can scan the chip uh, that I'm wearing and then all of a sudden they see the products that are in my wallet and they know my taste, uh, how much I've spent, what, you know, what I prefer, like what styles I prefer. And then instead of, you know, because this kind of CRM happens uh, with in retail already, it just happens at the end, right? It happens when you go to check things out. And so then a lot of times, right, when I'm standing at checkout because I've already, you know, spent some time shopping, that's when the sales uh, associate will be like, oh, you know, because they, they see my past history. They're like, oh, do you want to buy, you, you might be interested in something like this. Like, this is a new style we just got in. It's like, well, I'm, I'm about to leave. So like our interaction is over, yeah. but like how much more meaningful would that be for that retailer if when I walk in, they know what my preferences are, right? Just by simply scanning a shirt and not necessarily having to get any more information other than what is publicly available on my wallet. And like, when I look at it, like long-term, like these are like the use cases that I find that are really interesting, yeah. right? And, you know, kind of, not just like just starting that um, that relationship with the customer, like after the sale, but really nurturing it, right? And figuring out, being able to learn who are your best customers, right? Like, is your best customer the person that spends the most money? Not necessarily, right? Because there could be a person that wears the shirt 24-7 yeah. and maybe they're an amazing brand ambassador, right? And that is probably more valuable than somebody that has spent, you know, five times the amount of money on product than they have, right? Um, I think every every customer probably has their their place in the ecosystem for for any business, but I think it's really interesting because now we're just we have the opportunity to now undress and unpack um, the ecosystem based on more yeah. metrics. The the metrics are the super super interesting point here, and this was one of the things um, chatting with your team that blew my mind. Because as you start gathering metrics on where these things are going, who's wearing them, what the provenance of these clothes are, I had this like aha moment where I was like trying to picture five years into the future, like a Delphi report about all the different like brands of fashion or all the different products and seeing like a chart of like how many people were wearing this, like where, like, or like even like a heat map of the world, like here's where your clothing is being worn and like what sort of analysis you'll be able to do with those different metrics and with those different beta pieces, data pieces, which like completely blew my mind. Um, and, and the use cases are insane. Cause like, imagine you're like a, an artist, like a musician and you want to have a really intimate show with your super fans. Well, if you bought this shirt from our 2015 tour, that acts as your ticket, right? Like so many yeah. crazy things you could do. And I, I think unfortunately, like a lot of people either just aren't aware of that side of things or it's overlooked, but it's one of the really, really things I think um, is going to really help blend and propel that bridging of the physical and digital world. So cool, man. So right. cool. I and I to, to take that one step further too is you know I I have a I still have a lot of conversations where you know people are they find out I'm in NFTs and like so what's an NFT? I don't get it. And a lot of times I use that shirt example right where it's like your shirt is an NFT. We're both wearing shirts but that doesn't necessarily mean our shirts have the same value. That means they're non-fungible, right? And so it's like, now it's just doing that in a digital form. And it's just, just because you don't understand the form factor doesn't necessarily mean that it's stupid, right? Because we live in a non-fungible world. That, that is what the, leave, the living, breathing world is. Yeah. You know, a world of non-fungibility. And so to me, it's like, what, what I think that this does too is it's kind of segment, uh, um, reinforces that concept. And just says, yes, you know, your shirt is linked to an NFT because your shirt is something that is not fungible. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, before getting into the lookbook and the last little bit of this, um, there's one comment, not so much a question, but you could uh, respond to it if you like. And that is, I also really appreciate that you separated 9DCC from the G money brand and made it its own thing so that this can live on without you so that it's not associated with you necessarily. And so that you could do different, interesting things, be more flexible with it. Um, and I think that might be a confusing point to some people, but I think if you look at it from like a business standpoint and a strategy standpoint and just helping to onboard people, because if somebody sees like a, the G money brand, like the first question is like, who's G money, right? But if you see 90 CC, right. you're like, 
it opens up that line of questioning. It opens up those rabbit holes. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciated the decision there. I don't know if you want to respond to that or add any more color before we dive in. Yeah, yeah no, and that was a very, you know, something I, I thought a lot about, right? Is because also, you know, G Money, the crypto punk ape, it, it only, you know, there could only be a certain number of people, the global population, the global population that would be interested in that right but you know everybody is in fashion right whether whether you are expl explicitly care about fashion or not you have as an individual human being your own sense of style right and that you know and and, and that is very across the board everybody is involved in the space and so to me it's like i wanted to make something that what one doesn't necessarily have to be associated with like NFTs to the average consumer, right? To somebody that doesn't know, it could be a great entry point for somebody like that. But then too, is I wanted to build something that also has the ability to kind of live in the world beyond me, right? And it's like, it can grow bigger than, than I ever imagined G money would be right. And G money is already bigger than I ever imagined. <laughs> and so it's like, I, I, I would, I, you know, like to have the opportunity to kind of, you know, experiment and do cool things in the real world, bringing crypto technology into the real world uh, and hopefully create something that ends up being bigger than myself. Yeah. Well, it's been really cool to watch your rise, man. Like, um, like I said, from watch, like I remember some of our first conversations, I just looking back on those and to see how far you've come and I've come, it uh, makes my heart warm, man. Cause it's like, what a journey, what a ride, okay. you know what I mean? So it's really, really cool. But um, lookbooks, gee. Tell me a little bit about lookbooks and let's get into what this drop is going to look like. So, um, yeah, tell me about lookbooks if you don't mind. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you lookbooks are something that you always shoot, right. When, when you're selling something, right. Because you want to show people what it looks like. You want to show people, you know, just give them ideas and a vision for what you want to do, uh, and what the look is like. And so when we were thinking about this, we were like, okay, like, you know, lookbooks are usually a marketing expense, right? It's like, how, how can we sit there and turn something that's usually a cost center and turn it into a profit center, right? And, and do something cool with it. And I remember, you know, really early on, it was like, all right, well, Justin Aversano and I teamed up and, you know, we did amazing things in 2021. We, you know, I, I when we first spoke, I, I gave him some direction of what, a, what I thought he should do for his entry into the NFT space. He, you know, he listened and he, he was wildly successful and, you know, he's gone on to do amazing things um, over the last year and a half. But then ap right after that, you know, he was like, well, why don't, you know, he goes, he goes, I have all, you know, this nonprofit where I put art in public spaces. Why don't we do that with CryptoPunks? And that's, you know, the first time we brought the digital world into the physical world. And that was something that I felt like was almost like a coming out moment for NFTs, right? Because that was like, you know, we, at that point we were opening up back after COVID and people were starting to go back outside and now boom, you have all these pixelated pictures all around billboards in Miami. And that was amazing. Right. And that I think did amazing things for myself that did amazing things for Justin and both of our uh, careers over the last year and a half. And, you know, when I was thinking about the lookbook and I'm like, okay, like, you know, why don't Justin and I team up together again and, you know, make some magic and, you know, I, I, I gave him a call and before I was like, I'm going to pitch you something. And he's like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. he's like I, you know, I don't even, he goes, I, I, I'm like, he goes, I don't even need to hear it's it. Provenance, man. And so, you know, and, and like, you know, and, and that was, that was a testament, I think, to the relationship that we built up uh, over the last year and a half. And, you know, the vision was, okay, like, let's get models shot by Justin and we'll release them as the lookbooks, right? So, you know, basically there's six different looks, which are what we thought, you know, what, what myself and the team picked out to be the six best pictures from the shoot. Uh, and each one represents a, di a different size, right? All shot by Justin, uh, styled by uh, Simon Rasmussen, right? Who is uh, the, uh, the editor of, uh, of Office Magazine. And like, to me, it's like, we have these amazing minds and, and they, they shot the six models are actually members of the Admit One community. Uh, that I've gotten close to over the last year and a half. And I asked them to be part of the shoot and it was an amazing time. And so to me, it's like, this is something that I think is really cool, really fun, teaming up with a good friend of mine to do something cool that hasn't been done before. And, you know, just see what happens, right? And that really was like kind of the genesis of it. And so the way that works, the lookbook is 
we take the six best looks that we like from the photo shoot. Each look represents a different size. So what this means, right, is like as the consumer, when you when we're thinking about the consumer journey, and again, this goes back to what I said a little a little while ago, where it's like I want everyone to participate in. It's almost like a choose your yeah. own adventure, right? How do you want to participate in the ninety cc ecosystem? And that starts right out of the gate, right? So you have three. You you basically make your decision based on three choices, right? Do you buy the size that you want to wear? Do you buy the size that you want to resell? Or do you buy the size where you like the photo the best, right? And so it's like you as the consumer get to decide. I don't decide for you, you get to decide. And so to me, that that I think is really interesting right out of the gate. Um, and because of that, like, I, I just think it's, it's gonna be fun, right? And so that's like step one of the drop. So then step two happens, right? And another decision has to be made. Um, when it's time, when, when we have the shirts ready to be sent out, uh, the, the wallets that hold uh, whatever size that they have, their corresponding size, will then be airdropped an NFT from 4K, who will be our vaulting partner. Going back to what we were saying earlier about centralized custody, right, is like that NFT will represent the size that you selected on mint day, and that will be airdropped to you. And there will be no burning of the lookbook photos, the lookbook NFTs, because I don't want people to have to decide, do I... Do I hold the lookbook or get the art? You get both of them to, or, or get the shirt. You get both of them together because it is a 90cc product, right? It's like the lookbook is part of the 90cc vision and the shirt is the physical product of, of what can you I, can I Can I jump so, in there real quick, yeah. um, just, to, just to make yeah. sure that I yeah, understand yeah. it correctly and, and just to clarify. Yeah. Um, so you've teamed up with Justin and all of these models and if, if correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of the models are like web3 native sort of celebrities or influencers or people who have had influence on the space so you're bringing in that provenance of web3 mm -hmm. and you're tying it to 90cc you're sort of validating 90cc in a web3 native way amongst so many other things and then bringing in simon you're bringing in somebody who's more recognized in the, the traditional world right and getting his touch mm -hmm. and his taste on it right to make sure that it's like curated right. in the most high quality high touch kind of way and then turning some of that curation over to the community as well while injecting yeah. things that we're all familiar with if you're web3 native and that's gamification maybe you're more of a speculator or maybe you're just a collector choose your own adventure right mm -hmm. one question first of all is that correct yep yeah you hit you hit so the, on the, head. the question i have then is if i for example am an admit one holder which i am do I like, do I mint one? Can I mint as many as I like? Is there any details you could share about that side of things before moving yeah. on to 4k a little bit more deeply? Yeah, for sure. So there's going to be a 48 hour uh, mint window where everyone that holds an admit one token gets uh, guaranteed to mint uh, a, uh, a lookbook, right? In their size. Uh, the reason why, you know, they're, they're, well, I guess I'll start with we're making 1,111 uh, total shirts. So 1,000 will be available to admit one holders. 111 will be going to treasury for seeding purposes and potential partnerships and community building. And then that, that 1,000 will be in a 48 hour pool where everyone will have guaranteed access to mint one. Whatever doesn't get minted in that 48 hour period will then uh, be go through like, let's call it phase two of the mint where any admit one holder can mint as many as they like up to 10 per transaction. So that there will never be a public sale who will only be available to admit one holders first on a guaranteed basis. And then afterwards, uh, allowing, you know, people that want to buy more than one, the opportunity to buy. More that makes total one. sense. That makes total sense. Um, okay. So that, so you, you, you have your NFT, you have your actual piece of art and it's a piece of art because of the way it was curated and set up super high touch. Cause I mean, I've seen some of the pictures are beautiful, man. And by having the provenance of the web two and the web three sort of tastemakers as, as well as yourself and the models, you have something that I would argue holds value going back to the original definition in and of itself. And so you then decouple the physical product from the NFT and then you attach it to the 4K voucher. And then what happens from there? So the 4K voucher is basically, it's basically just the bearer instrument, right? That represents your t-shirt in a physical vault, right? So once you get the 4K voucher airdrop to the wallet that has uh, the lookbook NFT in it, you then have a choice. You can keep it vaulted, 
or you can take physical delivery, right? If you take physical delivery, you go to the 4K website, you enter in your information and they mail you the product, right? Um, to me, there's that's where the second decision is made, right? Because you, you see a lot of times and you see this a lot in sneaker culture where people will buy a pair of sneakers and I did it myself. I, I currently have uh, two pairs uh, of sneakers of Air Force One Louis Vuittons that I bought at auction at Sotheby's that I have vaulted in, you know, my in 4K and I have the NFTs sitting in my wallet. And so, you know, you see that in the real world already, right? Where people will buy sneakers and they'll put them in their closet or on display. They never wear them. You know, it's there's that's great. It's awesome if you want to look at it. But if you want the day you want to go sell them, it's kind of cumbersome, right? Because it's like you have to, you know, ship them to StockX or GOAT or somebody along those lines. They verify it. They take their cut. It takes you probably a couple of weeks to get paid. Whereas if you had this this physical product stored in a, in a storage facility that you know verified condition that it's in, you now have twenty four access twenty four hour access to liquid markets around the globe, right? And so to me that that's that's super interesting, right? And so I think as a consumer you have the choice to keep it vaulted and have that liquidity, or you have the choice to take delivery of it and wear it, right? And now the question becomes is well, what's the value prop of doing each, right? Because I'm not, I'm personally not making t-shirts so that they can sit in a vault somewhere uh, in, you know, a Freeport or, or wherever they're, they're being held. So I think the decision that, that ultimately collectors will have to make is you keep it in a vault, keep it in mint condition. Hopefully it becomes a collectible and it goes up over time, or do you wear it in the real world, possibly get some wear and tear, but then possibly also get some, and, and this is kind of alpha leak here, but like, do you get access to things that people that vault their shirt won't, right? Right. And what does that look like? And then you need to make that decision of which do you think, you know, has uh, a better payoff for you or for, for the things that you're trying to accomplish as a member in the ecosystem. Also, I hadn't realized this because I've, I've thought through that, but in bringing it out and putting some wear and tear on it. It's like when you see old eighties, like Metallica shirts, right? Like it almost makes them cooler mm -hmm. that they have that provenance. And unless you take out that shirt, like how are you going to build provenance into the physical side? Like you could build it into the digital side right. by like circulating it around. And maybe I sold mine to UG and then you sold yours to blah, blah, blah. But like in a future where that, those metrics and that data is important. What's going to be more valuable? The NFT that's in mint condition or the shirt that's been to all these different concerts and crypto events. And, you know, this was the shirt in this picture with G because he scanned it, you know, like, I don't know, but it's really interesting right. to try to think no, it's, through. <laughs> really, it, It's funny because last weekend I went to uh, Travis Scott. I was in London and Travis Scott played at the O2 Arena. And, you know, like, first off, like the way he con commands the crowd, I, I think is incredible. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in my life. But one of the things he did, he was wearing a jacket. And at one point he takes the jacket off and he gives it to mm. a fan in the audience. Right. And it's like, I immediately was sitting there and thinking like, man, if he had the NFC chip in his jacket, that person could scan the NFC into their wallet. And like the previous wallet owner was Travis Scott. So like how valuable is that, you know, is that jacket? And we see this all the time at like, you know, your hard rock cafes and your planet Hollywood cafes and all this stuff where they have memorabilia. And it's like, this was worn by this singer uh, on this tour. Right. And it holds value for that. And for some people, it's more valuable than others. And to your point is like, you don't, we, I can't, I can sit here and tell you what I think might be valuable, but I really don't know what's going to be valuable. Right. What, what people will value Man. in the long run. I know we're running out of time here, um, but where my romantic brain goes with that is, you know, the way I look at Instagram, for example, it's like, I don't care about the followers or this or that. What really excites me about Instagram is like one day when I get to sit down with my like nieces or nephews or grandkids and go like, look at grandpa's life, right? What would be even mm -hmm. cooler is if I had a layer on top of that, where I could like then go into all of my clothes and all my items and say like, let's look at the story. Like, let's look at my story more deeply right? Or listening to a right. podcast about some crazy adventure that's tracked through the provenance of a shirt. Like it, like you, like you said a little bit ago, like the use cases are huge. And when you really start to think through where this could go, 
it's uh yeah there's unlike anything there's yeah there's nothing like it um so final question g and final points on the sort of brand essentials and this is go to market turned on its head i would argue that everything here turns everything else that like on its head right like it's a real disruptor it's not just the go to market it just flips a lot of things through that provenance through that curation and through everything that we've talked about through this last hour so i guess final question for you g is you know we know what is coming is there anything after this and it's such a silly question because there's already so much to look forward to in this drop but what can we like look forward to from 90cc in the next five, 10 years? You could pick the time horizon. Five, uh, 10 years, I know, man. I know, maybe two <laughs> years, yeah. Five or 10 months. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think uh, it, for me, it's like, I'm, it's, it's a learning experience for, for all of us, right? Like I'm really focused on putting out the best possible product that I could right now, something that I'm going to be proud to wear. You're probably... I mean, I'm probably going to be seen in this thing nonstop uh, for forever. Uh, but like, it's going to be a learning experience, right? And that's why, you know, we're going to iterate through it and we're going to take findings uh, from the community and feedback. And there's some things that maybe I think, you know, I'm like, oh, this would be really cool, but maybe it just needs a slight tweaking, right? And this has always been my philosophy from day one is like, if we're going to get mass adoption in some way, shape or form, the major brands, the people that have a ton of brand equity that have you know, things to lose are not going to be disrupting themselves. They're not going to be pushing the space forward. They're not going to, be, well, they're going to be pushing the space forward with adoption. They're not going to be pushing the space forward with, you know, doing innovative things, right? They're going to wait to see somebody else do it first. Yeah. So, you know, and I've, I've done this a few times already where I've done things that I'm like, oh, like, um, I think a great example is when I did my uh, POAP event at Bitcoin Miami in 2021, where I was like, hey, like I'm, you know, I tweeted out, like show up to this place, find the person wearing the G money punk on their t-shirt, collect the POAP and get like a $5 gift card for the location that they were standing at. I think I had about 20 people show up every day. I had 11 people that showed up every day, you know, and all it was, it was like within like a block or half a block of the, the convention center where the conference was taking place. So it wasn't that big of a lift. It was really just like five minutes of your time. And I considered it a massive success. I had, I think, about 70 something people show up. You know, fast forward a couple of months later, POAP saw, they were like, oh, we like that idea. It was successful, even though the numbers would be like, oh, you only did like 100 people, but the concept was successful, right? And then POAP did a massive scavenger hunt at NFT NYC in November that was like encompassing like all of Manhattan and Brooklyn, right? And people were running around trying to collect POAPs from different locations during that week. And so to me, it's like, all right, like that was something that it just really, it, it happened like two or three days before the event where I was like, oh, this would be fun. Right. And, and I decided to do it. And so like, to me, it's like, I'm doing things that I'm like, all right, this will be fun. And, you know, maybe we get, maybe we hit it out of the park right away. But like, I also want, I also understand that, you know, there will, will, will be things that we can improve and it's going to be a learning process. And I think, what we do, I'm really excited about because I think it's going to change the future of how brands interact with their communities, of how communities interact with each other in the real world, and just like, just kind of like how community is formed in in the real world, the same way it's being formed in the digital. It's that world. iteration process, man. Just got to keep fleshing it out, and you know, the 100 people or the 70 people, right? It's a success because you're demonstrating value. Once again, going back to that, you're demonstrating like you're, you're giving a glimpse of the future, right? Where when people see mm. that, they go, oh, okay, that's possible, right? So mm. I, I guess like- Right, and then, and then exactly, they iterate exactly. on it, right? And then it's like, you know, if somebody sees the way, like let's say 90cc goes to market and they're like, oh, that's really cool. Like I would have done this. And then, you know, then I'm like, oh, like then, you know, they just make the process better and we all yep. iterate together and we learn from each it, other. It unlocks know? the all boats rise with like rising tide mentality. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like not to yeah. take the shine away from 9DCC or yourself, but I think that's what really excites me about the next five years is all those use cases that we would never be able to think of that will begin to emerge because of this, right? And that's, you know, going back to like the mission statement, propelling or 
propel the bridging of the physical and the digital products you know being a trailblazer that's what it's all about man um so mm. with that being said g i appreciate you being a trailblazer sir and it was an absolute honor to come on and chat through this with you is there anything we missed or anything that you want to say or flag or give dates before we uh wrap this bad boy up uh no just you know i i we're gonna announce the the official date um for the the nft portion uh and the minting the minting of the nft it's probably going to be uh, before the end of August, uh, and then there'll be a trading window before redemption, and that it really is determined on uh, supply chain logistics and whether things get pushed back or not. But uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, we've been working a lot and hard on this, and we've been quiet. And you know, I I don't necessarily I'm I'm not a person to just hold a AMAs just you know to hold AMAs. It's like you know I'm. I, I've been working really hard on this. The whole team has been working really hard on this, and I think it's going to show. Um, I'm I'm really happy with everything we've put out there, and I'm really looking forward to to doing yeah. more. Well, we look forward to seeing you do more, G. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time today, sir. All right, awesome. Thanks so much for coming on, Jeremy. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll see you in the Discord. <laughs> see you in the Discord, sir.